Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Honor Balthasar. And uh, remember when we said this would be the la- last week would be the last online episode? We lied. Through no fault of our own, mind you. <laughs> we lied. <laughs> but before we get into a little bit of Bat Cats news and then just wrapping up what Chris Kleiman said at Media Days, you know, just clawing towards the, the season, we are taking questions for next week's Ask the Alley Cats segment. So send in any questions that you have on Twitter or I. I don't know if threads has hashtags, but sure. Be sure to send in any questions using hashtag ask the alley cats to be featured on a very special episode next week. But let's just go ahead and go right into the bat cats news. There are two pieces of news regarding pitching, which already was a concern (laughs) for us. And it just got more of a concern. Because Herman Fajardo signed as an undrafted guy to the Seattle Mariners, and Kyler Haney ended up transferring to the Arizona Wildcats. Let, let's start with the first one. Because if you you and I thought if there was going to be an undrafted signing, it'd be Chuck Ingram. I don't know how we hung on to Chuck Ingram, but lose Herman Fajardo. And I don't want this to turn into a, oh, why did Herman leave? Like, oh, he could he could have came back and raised his draft stock. I am never going to blame a player in any sport for signing a professional contract. Because, like, if that's a choice that I had to make, like, I, it's something I would agonize over. But I imagine there are a lot of people who are, well, the, the pros is my dream. The faster I can get to that dream, the calculus is simple. So I, I don't blame him. However, that does hurt. <laughs> it hurts a lot. It, it Well, it doesn't feel good, I guess, is maybe the way I'll start with it. It's uh, an immediate major negative for next year with a pitching staff that was already losing Owen Borma. And uh, now with Herman gone, and last year we didn't really have a set day three starter at any point, uh, it's... It's not good. Uh, that's not good at all. No. Um, good for Herman. I was surprised to see him um, sign into uh, the MLB, but I'm uh, uh, happy for him. I'm uh, despite my surprise, and I, I'm hoping that uh, he he makes it. But yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. I guess is maybe the best way to look at it. Yeah. I, I don't know, like, you know, pitch undrafted pitching talent from K-State apparently has had a pretty solid track record lately. <laughs> yeah, uh, Connor McCullough, he's been doing really well. And yeah. the uh, I think he's in the Rocky system, so he's doing well. Unless he makes it to the majors, then he's yeah, going to wish he was he's going to wish he was somewhere else. But and, uh, although Torres he would be used well, to it, right? I guess, because Toynton's pretty home run friendly. Yeah, Toynton so. is hell for pitchers. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Eric Torres, I think, is doing well, too, isn't he? That he is, I think. Uh, he's in the Angels system, I think, uh, as is uh, Dylan Phillips. Mm-hmm. And Because uh, Dylan Phillips is a two-way player in the Angels system, so they're currently trying to replace Shohei with Dylan Phillips. My That's not going to work out for him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Eric Torres, I think he might be... He's either in double A AA or triple A. He moved up pretty quick from the low ranks. 
Uh, and Jordan Wicks. Yeah, I think he's one below Wicks, and Wicks is triple yeah. A. Yeah, Wicks is triple A already. He's he might get called up by the end of the year here uh, in September. Nope. Just because be. September know. call ups, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, who's to say? But there is some history there. And uh, Herman, pretty similar to Torres, honestly, like similar style of pitcher. Obviously, uh, Herman's a righty compared to Torres, who's lefty. But they're they're not dissimilar, I guess is the best way to put it. So hopefully um, they're able to um, put something together on the majors. But in regards to K-State, it it definitely um, is kind of a punch in the gut for next year. Yeah. And I I could deal with that because, you know, it hurts, but I could deal with that. But on the exact same day, Kyler Haney, who was one of the outside of Tyson neighbors, he was probably the only truly reliable bullpen. arm. <laughs> he ends up transferring to Arizona. That I'm not going to say that hurts worse than Herman leaving, but I feel like there was a very obvious way with, I, I think Ty rule ends up moving to the rotation this next year. If not, if not just because of necessity, but that I was kind of counting on Kyler Haney to be our setup guy. Yeah. Yeah. Haney, he was really the lone consistently good uh, above average bullpen arm that lasted the whole season. Horson Tiano had some nice outings, but he also missed like a month and a half or two months of the season Mm -hmm. with injury. And then Tyson Neighbors, he's more of a closer, at least ideally, although sometimes he was effectively a reliever going like three innings. But I I think in practice, I think you want to have Tyson be that closer. And Haney is somebody I think that you could have trusted to get you two to three innings. And um, so this losing Haney really does make it tough. It puts a lot of pressure on the staff to go out and get instant impact, immediate uh, pitchers in the portal. Uh, and also hope that a few guys take the next step this upcoming year. Guys like uh, Mason Buss, uh, Cole Weisenbaker, uh, guys like that. You have to hope that they take a leap forward. And you also have to hope that some of the freshmen coming in are able to take a big leap. Yeah, I. that's so – it's well, – first off, you know, I've – obviously good for Kyler going to a, to a place that he obviously wanted to, wanted to be, you know, I, again, it's, it's just like with players who end up signing for the draft. I'm not going to besmirch a player for transferring somewhere else. If that's where they want to be, if that's where they feel more comfortable. Um, At the same time, it pretty much just that one move took the, worries for me being just about the rotation to now, okay, the only position we have figured out is closer. And that scares me. And here's why it scares me. We we talked about the Rockies earlier. To a lesser degree, Toynton is sucks for pitchers. It, there's, there's no way around it. Nine, to, nine days out of 10 that you're playing a game in Toynton Stadium, if you are going up against a right-handed batter and they pull the ball, you're screwed. You're screwed. <laughs> like there's, 
So if you're a contact pitcher, which is the style Reedy Darrow really wants to build, what are you going to do at Toynton? <laughs> Not a lot. Uh, contact pitching at Toynton might be the worst possible <laughs> outcome, uh, which is why uh, Shea Hardis early in the year um, and even through most of the year was just very ineffective. Um, but maybe he's switching up his style a little bit. I know he's uh, switched up his release point and uh, seems to be trying to add some new pitches as well. So maybe that is somebody I can take a step forward. But again, it's a lot of unknowns for the pitching staff. And that, that doesn't feel good. Tyson's going to be fine. Ty Rule, I have uh, a not insignificant amount of faith in um, to be a starter, probably a weekend starter. I don't want him to be the day one starter. I'd be fine with him as day two. Uh, I... Ideally, we go out and get somebody that can be the day one starter, probably to be grad transfer. Uh, but I guess we'll just have to kind of wait and see on that front. But it's uh, definitely a rocky time for the uh, uh, pitching staff. Yeah, because we we don't know if Griffin Hassel is going to come back. But Griffin Hassel and Ty Rule would be well, no really just Griffin Hassel would be the only one with consistent starting experience. Everyone else would either be inexperienced in that role or just straight up inexperienced. Cause we, we, if, if the season were to end today, you would be putting a, almost by necessity, you'd be putting a lot of pressure on the incoming freshman class. So people like Dylan Blazer, um, Matt Lee and Adam Arthur and as well as Blake Dean, they're all going to be put immediately on. on, They're going to have, one of them is going to have to get a spotlight at some point just by virtue of what is left of the pitching staff. If I had to pick one, it'd probably be Blake Dean. Uh, Even though Adam Arthur reminds me a lot of Owen Borama. I think Owen Borum's pitching style requires a lot of finesse that requires a lot of experience. Um, everyone else is just so unknown. You know what hurts the most from this? Brooks Kniefel decommitting and then committing to Nebraska. That may yeah. be one of the worst recruiting losses for baseball that we've re- recorded. Yeah, that and also that one guy who was committed to Wichita State decommitted and then visit Nebraska with uh, Kniefel committed to him. I can't remember his name, yeah. but he was a well-thought-of pitcher from somewhere in Kansas and uh, ended up going to Nebraska instead. That really hurt. Uh, so K-State baseball not taking a lot of dubs right now uh, on the pitching trail. But silver lining, you still have Tyson Neighbors, who is going to step in the next year being one of the most dominant uh arms in the country and uh Corsentino had some solid outings uh, to end the year as did um Tyrule so there's a few arms in there that you know can get you something and Mason Buss showed a lot of promise last year too but there's still a lot of question marks remaining and luckily they've got a long off season to figure it out but you know we're in July at this point we need to start hitting a few um, more transfers. Yeah. 
so before we before we get off this subject, if the if the season started today, who are our three weekend starters? Assuming Griffin Hassel is still here. It's tough for me to assume Griffin Hassel is still here. Yeah. <laughs> I I I will indulge to that. Um Griffin Hassel would if he's healthy, almost certainly be one. Um then uh Ty Rule is likely one. And then Mason Bus, I guess, is probably the remaining one. If I had to guess him or maybe Rothermel, probably Bus. And I think Rothermel is probably your weekday guy. Uh, but it's uh, not a super solid lineup because you have Hassel coming off injury. Ty Rule with like two games that he started in his career. And then Mason Bus, who is still a young guy and is uh, – not a strikeout guy as much. So it's uh, still a lot of question marks there. Although you, you could, I think you could probably come up with a worse uh, pitching lineup um, in K-State history, but there's a, there's a uh, still a need for a true day one ace right now. uh, Pretty badly. Yeah, I agree. So that's the Batcats news. Now we can sort of talk about, on a, on a brighter note, we can talk about climbing at a Big 12 Media Days because uh, last week I had to take a trip, so we just ended up recording a day early. But now we can just talk about climbing at Media Days. And obviously we're going to talk about a few things that he said. But first and foremost, he looked comfortable. For like, There have been a few times that he's looked comfortable at k-state media events excuse me but i don't think there's ever been a large scale media event that isn't following a win where he looks truly comfortable he always looks like he'd be rat he'd rather be doing something else and don't misunderstand me i still really think that he would be rather doing anything else but you know, he finally looked a lot more comfortable, you know, at uh, answering questions, had a smile on his face for a couple of his answers, which he would have told me climb and smile during a Big 12 media event like two years ago when the show started. I'm not sure I would have believed you. <laughs> Man, nor would I. It's awesome to see that, you know, he's sort of stepping into that role, which, you know, that's awesome for for your head coach to be at, but on to more or less what he said, uh, he was asked a question about, you know, what it was like being hunted quote unquote, as the big 12 champions of the previous year. And he likened it to, it's something he's had an experience with because North Dakota state where he coached for so long was always the hunted team because North Dakota state was basically the Alabama of FCS football (laughs) where it was a surprise if they were not in the finals. You know how the college football playoff earned the nickname of the Alabama Invitational. The FCS championship was the North Dakota State Invitational. (laughs) So, you know, I, it was, eh, I I like that answer. I, I really do think he's sort of used to being aimed at in a sense or having his team be aimed at. Yeah, I I don't think it's going to bother climbing very much, and it probably isn't going to bother some people on the team. Um, 
it depends, I guess, on how well said the culture is and how deep that truly runs, which if everything we hear is true, then it's not going to be an issue at all. But I definitely don't have any doubts about climbing in this regard. It's just uh, relaying the message out to the team, which I think that they probably will. And uh, hopefully K-State's able to handle that, um, not overlook anybody uh, just because of last season. But we did have a kind of a unique conference championship season in that we won the Big 12, but we had four losses. So you're able to win a trophy, but still feel like you left a lot out on the field. Uh, so that is an unusual position to be in, uh, I think, as a championship game winner. And uh, they seem to be taking the result of the Sugar Bowl really well. Uh, so hopefully they can use that to continue to motivate them and show them that they are really close uh, to being in that kind of top tier. But yeah, climbing and being the hunted, I don't think that's going to be an issue. Yeah, uh, I, I never want to play angry Nick Saban again. <laughs> No, I, I really don't want to either, actually. <laughs> uh, the other part of the equation was he was talked about, you know, how they K-State was picked second in the Big 12 poll. He didn't care. He, his response was, well, what were we ranked last year? Which is an objectively hilarious response <laughs> to that question. Because <laughs> where we picked like, we picked like fourth or fifth, right? Five. It was five because TCU was seven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How the season went on, huh? Yeah. But yeah, I wonder what uh, what teams were fifth and seventh this year. I think Baylor and UCF seventh. I think no, was, no. Um, I can check back here. Well, no, I didn't write it down. But I I know Tech was like fourth. Hang on, I have to mute myself because I have a mechanical keyboard. <laughs> yeah, Tech was fourth. And uh, we know K-State was two, Texas was one. I don't know. Just wondering uh, the same question. I guess kind of at the same places in the uh, preseason poll made the Big 12 titles last year, who would that be? UCF was eight. Oh, I was off just by a little. Seven is the team that got a single first place vote. Oklahoma State? Oklahoma State. Baylor was sixth. Oh, so who did I miss there in the middle? Uh, you it goes Texas, K State, Oklahoma third, Texas Tech fourth, TCU, Baylor, oh. Oklahoma State, UCF, KU, Iowa State, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, West Virginia. Neil Brown is so screwed. I don't think there's a soul on the planet that thinks that he's surviving the season he may not even make it to the month of october depending on how the start of the year goes because i mean he should have been fired last year but the buyout saved him that that's pretty much it really and uh kind of a ad shuffle but not a if you're neil brown you don't feel very comfortable right now so yeah but i i think it's a delicate line to walk for a climbing in the team of you know feeling like you know getting used to being the hunted guy but also not really caring about the poll i think there's a very delicate line to walk with that and if there's anyone that i trust to sort of walk that line it's probably climbing you know anyone that is in the big 12 i would say yeah 
I Kleiman's been very level-headed uh, the last uh, couple of seasons. Uh, I, I don't expect that to change. And I think he feels really confident about the talent of this year's roster. I, I, I think he really does think that this year's team is probably better top to bottom, which I do agree with. I think top to bottom, it's the same. It's kind of a similar position as basketball where your depth uh, top to bottom is better, but you don't have that uh, those same stars that you did. Like basketball, this is Keese and Keontae. Uh, football, you're losing uh, Deuce, Brantz, Felix, uh, those guys. Uh, so kind of in a similar position there, but there's going to be a lot of guys uh, to get on the field this year, probably. And a lot of them are going to be pretty impressive, I think. So I think yeah. Kleiman has that kind of quiet confidence about him in that regard. Cause I think people, I think he knows that people that aren't paying close enough attention think that, Oh, deuce left Felix got drafted in the first, like they'll regress, like, like little K state sort of thing. But he, he knows though. Yeah. And before we go on to talk about the rest of what he said at Big 12 Media Days, here is a quick word from today's sponsor. And welcome back to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, talking about Chris Kleiman and his responses at Media Days last week. This was probably the, well, no, no, no. This is the answer that excited me the second most. First is immediately after this. Um, <laughs> the offense is barely scratching the surface of what it could be. And this is something that even Cooper Beebe mentioned when he got his individual time with the media saying that the offense, it, he, I think the exact word he used was vanilla. And that is what he said. Yeah. Whenever I, I think I just see Cooper Beebe saying the word vanilla. I see Ben Sinnott motioning across to, set like the what could have been the most devastating block in history if it was Jack Stenine out there for uh, on the screen to Malik. And I'm like, okay, what like Andy Reid borderline illegal <laughs> stuff is Colin Klein about to pull out this year? Yeah. When I heard him say that, I, I first, I did not think it was a real quote. I'll, I'll be honest. I thought that it was just like a fake off-season quote that was just made up. But he said that, and uh, it, it was real. And I was very shocked to hear that because, um, creative or creatively, uh, the offense took a a big step forward last year already compared to where it had been. Um, and so now the they seem to have had a whole off-season for installation uh, and whatnot already under their belt a whole season under their belt running that offense they now i guess are able to include some more wrinkles and things like that which really makes me excited i think that there's a ton of possibilities uh, with what they can do because they do have access to a lot of athletes a lot of versatile guys on the offense and in some ways uh you of course would rather have deuce vaughn but there are some advantages as well to not having one guy be the focal point of your offense where if you have, you have a, a offense set up where it's, I don't know, Keegan Johnson, Ben Sinnott, uh, Phil Brooks and get out will. And then DJ and Trayshawn out there and uh, you get all those guys out there and it could be any of those guys that ends up with the ball on that particular possession. So 
there's a lot of creative stuff you can do. You could make special packages for particular players as well that maybe wouldn't we wouldn't normally see. Uh, but I I'm very excited to see uh, the bag of tricks that Colin del- delves into this year because I I bet that there are some Bill Snyder plays uh, that we never got to see from a game <laughs> that uh, Colin Klein uh, ends up using again because uh, he supposedly had a very deep playbook and we only ever saw like a quarter of it or something like that. So I don't know, maybe Klein has some uh, old Snyder uh, plays that he's going to uh, wipe the dust off. I'm just saying there there are two plays that I will be upset if Colin Klein decides to, to bust out. I'll be upset if I see a GT counter because I, I hate that play. I, I just think it, it aesthetically it's gross. <laughs> And if the short side option with Will Howard comes out, I'm not going to be very happy either. <laughs> I would accept a short side option with Avery Johnson. I would accept that as well. I still wouldn't be happy about it because there's much more effective ways to use him. But at least he's fast. So you'll get like three yards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, just hearing that it's been vanilla. I have a sneaking suspicion that GT counter is going to be run a few times and I'm not going to be happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're just going to have to deal with that, buddy. It's okay. But we mentioned will running short side option. Well, that may be not, that may not be his game. Kleiman really talked about how will is going to be good. And I know, Oh, what a surprise, you know, Oh, a, a team's going to, a coach is saying that his starting quarterback is going to be good. Oh, wow. What a surprise. Someone stopped the presses. I think it was much more how he said it and how he said the biggest thing with Will was always confidence and how confident he is now. Because Will was making throws, especially during the Big 12 championship game. I'm thinking of the one to RJ that those are some those are some stone throws right there. Those are the okay, Yeah. okay, we're going to chuck it downfield and consequences be damned kind of throws i'm thinking of the the rj throw in the deep corner to leak like in the first quarter like those were the type of throws that freshman will maybe makes in one game and then never makes again because he was fine he was actually kind of good during the the first bit of that texas tech game and then uh, (laughs) but you know i i think it's we we kind of said it that that will had two issues footwork and confidence and i took the the footwork angle um and you kind of took the the confidence angle we were both right both both kind of improved last year and i'm just really excited to see what will can do because i really do think that the ceiling for him is the all big 12 quarterback selection do I think it's likely he gets it? No, because Dylan Gabriel is the best quarterback in the conference. I I don't know how Dylan Gabriel went from like the most overrated player last year to the most underrated player this year. I don't get that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess part of that's maybe in the answer. Everybody is just overcorrecting from last year uh, with other Dylan Gabriel opinions. And they've gone from Dylan Gabriel is really, really good to all of a sudden Dylan Gabriel's is trash which neither of those are particularly correct but he, he at the end of the day is a good quarterback 
He's just not, I think, the Heisman level guy that people just kind of assumed he would be. Uh, but this isn't a Dylan Gabriel podcast, so I won't <laughs> go down that too much. Yep. What do you think? Uh, I, I guess sort of parrying, parrying from this question is, you know, what do you think the ceiling is for Will this year? Well, I know the last few weeks, there's been a lot of talk about Will Howard and uh, uh, the uh, touchdown uh, record, all-time mm-hmm. passing touchdowns record, because he's off by 20 right he's now. 21. 21. It's 21 to break it, 20 to tie, I think. Oh, that's it. Okay. So 21 to break. Basically, can Will Howard get 21 passing touchdowns this year? I think the answer on that is almost certainly yes. Um, I, for one, Deuce Vaughn isn't going to be there to snipe every single touchdown away with long runs. Granted, we're still going to see plenty of good running back uh, play from uh, Treshawn Ward and DJ Giddens, but I mean, Will Howard's going to be out there spreading the ball around. Ben Sennett's gearing up for a big year. Keegan Johnson, uh, hopefully he's ready for a big season. And uh, then Treshawn Ward and DJ Giddens will both be effective out of the backfield as well. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of like one of the big measuring sticks this year for Will is uh, his ability to uh, up his touchdown count, which I think he absolutely will, especially if Colin Klein's offense supposedly was vanilla last year. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Will will be throwing We're a lot see of some war crimes, year. aren't we? We're going to see some war crimes on the field. <laughs> Colin Klein is going to do unspeakable things to Southeast Missouri State. <laughs> I... I, I regret to inform you, but it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. Yeah. And, and you kind of mentioned the, the next point as well, is that the, the running back room, uh, Kleiman said that you, you can't really replace Deuce, but you don't need to. Because the running back room is going to be fine because Treshawn Ward is going to be good and DJ Giddens is also going to be good. This is something we've said for a very long time. <laughs> Both are really good backs. Treshawn Ward's probably the better, like, shifty back. DJ Giddens, I, I, man, just runs angry. And he, like, despite running angry, he still has a degree of shiftiness to him. And he may be, he's a vastly underrated receiving back because his hands are freaking massive. (laughs) I think DJ Giddens is such a strange case because I think a lot of people have fallen for the narrative that because he's a powerful back, that he's slow. He is not slow. Slow. I I dare you to go back and watch his breakaway run against West Virginia down the sideline last year. He did (laughs) not look like a slow running back. Or the breakaway against Alabama. Yeah, his breakaway, he looked quick against Bama. He, he's a good running back and he's got speed. And I think that we have been too willing to accept him as not being fast. I'm not saying he's like a blazing speed sub four, four running back, but I don't think he's as slow as some people think. And I, I think that narrative needs to be squashed at least based on the anecdotal evidence, I guess that we had last year, but I, I I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, as Scott Wildcat likes to call him DJ, the blue Jay and play this season. Uh, I'm, I, I think he's gearing up for a big season. Him and Treshawn Ward. There's going to be a ton of carries available, a ton of touches available this year uh, with Deuce uh, being out. Uh, so it's 
it's going to be a big year for that running back room, uh, but it's going to be more names uh, as opposed to just kind of the one name that we've been used to these last about three seasons now. So we're going to get kind of used to that new normal because at the end of the day, when Kleiman arrived at K-State, his mantra was uh, running back by committee. Uh, he, he was definitely a spread the ball around type. 2019, we had James Gilbert, Jordan Brown, and Harry Trotter, and we even saw Jacardier Wright. Uh, have a big game against Iowa State when one of those guys went down. He wants to rotate at running back. The Deuce Vaughn stuff was because Deuce is Deuce. Like uh, That was an anomaly for, I think, what he wants to do with his running backs offensively. Yeah, because it, it was even that way at North Dakota State. It still is that way at North Dakota State with uh, Phoenix Sproles. I don't know where he transferred to. Uh, I don't either, actually. Oh, we, you can, I guess you can, well, I can stall for time here. Um, yeah, I just the running back room, I think will, it, it has the potential to really surprise people. And I, I can't blame people for being surprised because, you know, you're going to watch the first game against SEMO and you're going to be like, oh, where's like people who aren't paying attention. It's like, oh, where's Deuce? Well, he he's in the NFL right now, but don't worry because we have two really solid backs are, are honestly probably three really solid backs with uh, Joe Jackson coming in. That's a, I don't even think it's a sleeper anymore. It, it, it a few months ago, that would have been a sleeper. I don't, I think people have awoken <laughs> to the Joe Jackson truth. And uh, Phoenix Sproles is at James Madison now. Really? Yeah. Huh. Good for him for transferring up. But I mean, I guess they're the, the newest FBS team, huh? But <laughs> yeah, they were pretty good last year, actually. They were. They would have made a bowl game if they were eligible for a bowl game. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what the whole deal is with that bowl game eligibility thing. Like with uh, um, the NCAA, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, I guess it's just to like prevent like too many schools from doing it all at once or something like that. But I don't know. I don't know how that would work. Yeah. Anyway, the the last one here is is a big one. And we're not just saying that because Uso Sayamalo is massive as a human being. Um, Uso is leaner than he was last year. Which, on one hand, you know, I, you, you hear lose weight as a nose tackle, and you're like, okay, well, what's going on here? Um, I don't think he's lost any strength. I just think he's gotten faster. And he was a quarterback in high school. He was not slow in high school. He's not slow now. Yeah, I think it would benefit everybody and also humble everyone listening to this episode to go watch Uso Sayamalo's high school tape where he's like 6'3", probably like 290, and outrunning entire football fields of people at quarterback. Like, he's the type of athlete that you hear about from like the 1930s MLB. Like the tungsten arm, like tungsten arm O'Doyle jokes yes. on Twitter. He's like that type of guy. Where he's like 300 pounds, but moves like he's 200. He is uh, an unusual athlete, I guess is the best way to put <laughs> he's it. Unusual. Uso is unusual. Akiville Alley Cats 2023. <laughs> he is. It's true. He is not. He's unlike most athletes, which makes him unusual. Uh, that that's sort of the main takeaways that I took away from that we took away from from media day. 
you know, are we excited for football yet? I am very excited for football. I cannot wait. I've been recently, I've been going back and watching a lot of uh, games from last season and, uh, um, and even from the past. And it, it just reminds me every single day. I am just so excited for football to start. The day this releases, it'll be 43 days, I think, until kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting close. We're less than a month and a half uh, away from uh, K-State football being back. And even sooner, college football will be back uh, with week zero in what is simultaneously the worst and best week of college football. Oh, yeah, baby. Because I don't think there's ever been a good football game between good teams played in week zero. No. At least at least as far as I remember. I'm sure I can be proven wrong very easily there. But they're... I mean, last year, Northwestern beat Nebraska week one and proceeded to lose 11 straight games, which will never not be funny. Uh, but I can't wait for week, for week zero. Can't wait for K-State to be back uh, and being back in a sold-out uh, Bill Snyder family stadium because I do think pretty much every game, if not every game, is going to end up being a sellout, yeah. it seems like. Uh, so, man, I, I just can't wait. I'm looking at the week zero schedule, and this week sucks. Oh, oh, this. Is... I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna watch all of it. <laughs> oh no, we're gonna watch all of it. Like I'm gonna get back from my my orientation week for law school. It's like Connor, are you ready for college football? Yeah, I'm ready to watch Navy Notre Dame. <laughs> Tradition unlike any other. Oh. I mean, MU South Dakota play on a Thursday oh, in week one. That's, that's real special. Uh-huh. Um, oh, uh, something I forgot to put on the outline. I also forgot to mention. Uh, rumor is that there's a new extension in the works for someone at K-State. And uh, you may have heard of him. He may be a fan favorite. Apparently, there is a contract extension for Jerome Tang being finalized, which I think if it's a true extension, that's building on to what he signed was what a four year. So this would have, he had three years left and then extending past that. Yeah, Unless it's a complete the, rework. I think the original deal was through like 27, I think. Um, so I'd imagine the extension is going to make it, make the contract a little longer and then also going to be upping the salary um, by a decent amount. I imagine uh, he's earned that after this year. And uh, I've seen people on Twitter um, say stuff about, you know, extending first year coaches and how it's like not always a great idea. And I saw some K-State fans upset about it. I actually do kind of agree that extending a first year coach isn't always the best choice, but I think Jerome Tang has absolutely earned it, though. So I'm not upset about it at all, um, even though it is something that I think you should normally advise against. Uh, but I am totally fine with it in this instance. Uh, I'm he he's absolutely earned it. We also got to do our best to keep the staff around because uh, it's fantastic staff. Really stinks that we uh, lose uh, Kevin Sutton back to uh, the high school ranks, um, but it is what it is. And uh, I'm hoping that we can uh, uh, build on some momentum there. And hopefully this uh, contract gets done uh, before we're kind of like out of summer and everything. Just no no reason for it to be lingering. Uh, once we get closer to basketball. Yeah. 
that's a that's code for we need content this summer <laughs> yes that, that is what i was saying so <laughs> if anyone related to basketball is listening please sign this contract and we need we, we need stuff to talk about <laughs> but yeah i i'm really excited about the extension um we'll talk about it more once it's finalized uh, apparently it's it's either been finalized and it's just waiting to be public or it's very close to it uh, unlike the pac-12 well i hope it's unlike the pac-12 media deal which is allegedly been both finished and not finished for what going on two months uh two months i think is a uh, pretty conservative there i it seems <laughs> like we're going on a year at this point uh with uh um promises of a contract and than nothing delivering i was expecting realignment news this summer we got nothing and i gotta say i feel like i've been shortchanged on my realignment news i so i'm not make a spreadsheet that's true i didn't so i guess it's kind of my own fault in (laughs) in that regard but you know it's a i I guess really the only realignment's actual storyline has been the uh um san diego state fiasco (laughs) Which that's, that's just been so like, funny. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that that hasn't had much substance, but it is really funny. <laughs> that's really about as far as it goes. Uh, other than that, not a lot happening uh, this offseason for realignment, which isn't the worst thing in the world. I I think it's probably fine for us to take a summer off because uh, we don't we don't need to be stressing about that every single summer. Yeah. So now to wrap it up, we're going to do the wacky segment of the week. And this week's question, if you could have any sport except football be all year round, which sport would you pick? And I'm talking college specifically. That was going to be my first question. Um, I think you got to go basketball. I Because to me, if you have a year round, I feel like you kind of also have to have like multiple like March Madness or like basketball tournaments. Cause you have multiple March Madness. There's only one March, but <laughs> uh, you'd have to have like multiple tournaments at some point. Although maybe even only one is like the national title, but gosh, players would just be exhausted after a while. Uh, so I, I think I'd say basketball. Um, that's a, one of the most engaging uh, in college sports, I think. So I, I'd have to roll with that. See, to me, this came down to two sports, and it's the only two sports that I truly think the season is too short. Because all, all the other sports, I kind of think, are the perfect length for what they are. So to me, it came down to baseball or volleyball. I think both of those seasons are way too short. Um, I'm going to pick volleyball because it's an indoor sport that can be played year-round. You know, as opposed to baseball, like good luck playing, <laughs> good luck completing a series in Minnesota in June, in like December. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I'd do that actually. So the catcher may die, like the hand may just fall off. Yeah, that that would be suboptimal, I think. Imagine uh, being the third happened. baseman catching like a Kalen Cole Pepper, like max exit Philo liner. <laughs> I just let it through, honestly. <laughs> just look at it. I'm not risking mm-hmm. my fingers. <laughs> uh-uh. That is not worth my life. <laughs> no shot that I'm giving that any sort of attempt. All right. Well, 
that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us at Aggieville Cats on Twitter, threads, and Instagram. Be sure to, on Twitter, use the hashtag AskTheAlleyCats for next week's Ask the Alley Cats segment. Who would have thought that that's what that would have been about? <laughs> if you want to email us, we are at, at we are AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us more personally, I am at ACEdwards00. I'm at Connor Bautzelzor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, it's soon. Soon. For real Very this time. Soon. Very soon. Imminent, some may say. I would say imminent. I would say imminent as well. Those are those are the words that I would use. I would even use the word splendid. I that's not really a synonym, but I guess I'd use it too, actually. Well, the merch so, is splendid. The merch is splendid. You spoiled it as well. I don't know if we've publicly revealed it, but I think everybody well, we, we, people wouldn't it, have so. known. People wouldn't have known. <laughs> uh, well, we didn't spoil the the one that we're more excited about. Well, the two that we're really excited about. Or maybe the three. Maybe it's four. Maybe it's 12. It's not 12. It's not 12. (laughs) All right, we're going to stop this bit. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Or come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.